Hello, everybody. Welcome to Charlie and Steve Watch Stuff, a podcast where Charlie and Steve watch stuff. Usually, I'm joined by one of my best friends, Steve Selnick, but today we're going to do something a little different. I'm joined by one of my oldest, closest friends, Edmund Ajapong. Edmund, how's it going? I'm here, man, chilling, living the great life, Charlie. How are you? Yeah, not just chilling, you are thriving. So, one of my favorite things about Edmund is that he is one of those people in life we met in college, and he is somebody who is constantly pushing himself, always trying to be the best version of himself, and he is the true definition of steel sharpening steel. So, Edmund, how did we first meet? Like, what do you remember about us? I think I met you when you were 18 and I was 19, and we were both in Macomb Hall. I'm trying to think. So we met college, right? You're, you were a year mm-hmm. old uh, above me. So my first year, I was in Macomb my first year. So you must have met around then. But I don't think we really started like getting closer to each other. And when you were, when we were in Macomb, you just like, Charlie was always busy. I think Charlie was like working for the, the paper, doing a million things and running around. So I don't know if Charlie had time for friends at that time. I was just <laughs> like, <laughs> but I remember, I think it was when you started to get more involved on, like in the was maybe student associations when we probably got more connected and closer connected around that yeah. time. And a USA president. And then that's when I, I think after that, I joined SA when I was a senator of some sort, if I recall correctly. Yeah, you were... Oh my god, I forget which administration. I think I was in the 44th administration. Oh, you remember those, and you, you remember those details, Charlie? Yeah, I had to look at that <laughs> shit on agendas all the time. Every day, every day, right? So I think you were the 45th administration with PJ. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's dope. But yeah, we started connecting more so after I graduated. And we have a very special friendship because despite being on different coasts, we stay connected mostly through phone calls, which Edmund is somebody who is willing to both balance his life, but also create space for people like me, which I really appreciate. And something else that I want Edmund to talk about, which connects to today's episode which is race and batman is the work that edmund does with young people so edmund tell us a little bit about the work that you do in the classroom yeah so i'm an educator i'm a teacher educator so currently in my in my role as a teacher educator i I serve as a as a college professor and university professor so i teach teachers and i prepare teachers prior to that i was a sixth grade middle school science educator where i taught science in the bronx to, you know, little middle school babies, black and brown youth in the Bronx in a very similar school district where I grew up and was raised in. And my work has since really evolved, right? The reason why I transitioned from being a classroom teacher to becoming a teacher educator and somebody who prepares future educators is because I realized, you know, since young as a child, just how many deficits and disparities there are in education, particularly in urban education, the urban cities, inner cities, especially facing black and brown and, you know, migrant populations in New York City and across the country. And I wanted to ensure I was kind of like doing my part in supporting and preparing educators to be the best, most effective and responsive educators that they can be. And that's really the the, the gist of it. More specifically, my, my work really, my research revolves around hip hop and how can we leverage hip hop as a tool to support young people in connecting to content in school and education in general, but leveraging hip hop as a critical and conscious art form that we can interrogate to make sense of the world and the realities around us. 
Yeah, that's super dope. And I like that you're able to interweave parts of the culture into the work that you're doing, not only teaching educators, but helping young people wrap their minds around what they're learning in the classroom. I think that's dope. And I also, to yes and what you said, art is so underrated in how it helps people form their ideas of the world and as a young Mm -hmm. person one of the biggest art forms that helped me grasp concepts in the classroom and just in life in general were comic books i learned how to read from reading comic books when i was younger like my dad handed me x-men and batman comic books and we were able to bond over the characters and really go back and forth and one of my favorite shows is the show that me and steve selnick were recapping right now batman the animated series and the reason that i wanted to have this conversation with you is i a black kid watching these cartoons i didn't realize that i was mostly watching characters who didn't look like me and who didn't look like my father or my mother but I still assumed that that was the status quo. Like, oh, okay, of course Batman has to be a white person. Of course his sidekicks are all white. Of course Spider-Man is a white dude, you know? And I'm now looking back and wondering how much more impactful it would have been for me, young Charlie and young Edmund, to have Miles at our age or to have the new Batman who is a black person. Like... What was your experience growing up and realizing that a lot of the superheroes in pop culture didn't look like you? You know, I think similar to you, I didn't really rec- I didn't notice it. I didn't pay attention right. to it. it I, we, I think, you know, as, as a young person in our generation, I wasn't really taught to be critical. You know, I grew up in a black neighborhood, right? I have, you know, my parents are from Ghana, West Africa, so I grew up around a particular culture. And comics and cartoons were a part of my life not a major part of my life but i was never pushed to think oh wow like these folks don't look at look don't look like me it was like these are the cartoons that are on and like you know how can you appreciate and enjoy what's on you know just as a way to kind of just disconnect but never really critical and thought around hmm a lot of these cartoons but also when i think when i reflect charlie i didn't i wasn't really into a lot of the white cartoons you know Mm. i was into i was into captain planet you could argue oh, that. Yeah. You could argue that he's black, right? That Captain Planet is <laughs> Captain Planet was black. I was also into like Rocket Power, right? Mm-hmm. And you talk about like comic books and comics. I never understood Batman. I'm like, dude, you're rich. Right? You gotta go and He's like, he's rich. He's It's not your responsibility to save the world. I know. It's so <laughs> funny. We talk about that a lot because I think that if Bruce Wayne were a black person, his approach to his community would be much different because yeah. I think that the greatest thing that Bruce could do if he really wanted to save Gotham is run for office and just really <laughs> create right? more affordable house- housing in Gotham so that people aren't fucking running around with Tommy guns, you know? But Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely is a superhero world from a white perspective of mm-hmm. you fix things by policing the city right. and the situation even more heavily. Like, do you yeah. think that Batman is essentially a cop? Batman is his own cop. And Batman is like, you know, he has his own police department. 
himself. He does. He, he doesn't, you know, but he's worse than cops. At least, you know, cops in some sense have to answer to somebody mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. There's a system, a structure, infrastructure, institution of policing. There's no institution of Batman. So who does Batman answer to? No one. He really is a billionaire. No. And if we're zooming out in the real world, I think there's a cognitive dissonance between how people view class in our society. Like, you and me, were much closer to people who are impoverished than people who are billionaires. You know, mm. I think not a lot of people recognize that you're two to three, maybe more paychecks away from being unhoused. Like, if mm-hmm. you have a medical emergency and no health insurance, something can happen to you, you could be on the streets. If something happens with your housing, you could be in an unstable situation for a while. I think that a part of Batman's appeal is the wish fulfillment of, oh, yeah. look at this billionaire. He's able to just do what he wants. He's able to jump in and save everybody. So I think it really is this american fantasy of what you can do when you have wealth yeah and i think it's about like the context so you think about billionaires now like we have so many more billionaires than we've ever had so when batman was created initially there were some billionaires around but not nearly as many as we have right now and when you think about how like look at elon musk for example mm-hmm. right billionaire bought up twitter with some pocket change and is able to control you know this uh, this platform that in some way was kind of created for like in, in a sense of free speech you know and allowing people to get their ideas around and now he's able to police that space and that platform and monetize off of it and also there's no not really a space for free speech as, as much anymore because now you have to have all these other subscriptions to really engage in the with the application as much and the, and the platform as much i think we've always been in a space in a context where you know those in power you know, they take advantage and do what they want. And and, and in our country, in our society, it's okay. We, like, we, we're like, we know, they, they generated that wealth in their own. That's a perception for a lot of billionaires, right? They generated that wealth, so they should be able to do whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. we, we often give them a pass, and we're not also, in our society, not hypercritical of these folks as well, including Batman. Right. We're not because there's a intrigue surrounding them. We think, okay, one day if we work hard enough, we can be a billionaire. But I don't think that you become a billionaire by being a, a great worker. model hard worker. <laughs> no, you get good at standing on the shoulders of other people. Like Absolutely. It it really it tickles me when people are like, Oh, Elon Musk is my hero. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg is the dude. I'm like, right. you realize that these people not only have private jets that they use constantly to zip from point A to point B, but things like Twitter, now called X, which is stupid, and things like Facebook. I would say that they co-opted free speech Mm -hmm. in a way to where free speech is a way to oppress people from ideas that threaten the identities of those in power. So I feel that that is one of the biggest pieces of kind of billionaires going into the social media space. And I know that Twitter was really used a lot for community organizing and it was really pivotal in the Black Lives Matter movement. So for somebody like Elon Musk to get on it and to really promote hate speech, but kind of oppress people who want to speak against 
the same thing is it's very very interesting what do you think i mean i think we gotta start operating from the space of thinking that or recognizing that most billionaires especially those who get to the billion and obviously want to continue to increase their their profit their net worth and their profit they don't care about social justice it, mm-hmm. and social justice is counter to their it doesn't benefit them right social justice means that we pay everybody equitable wage if we're able to do that then that means you know walmart folks in walmart won't be lining up for welfare and you know and, and benefits that come from the, the government a livable wage at least right so thinking about social so you think about batman and what's one of the things that batman could have done instead of going out into the world and developing the skill and talent of beating up criminals and villains is he could have donated his wealth <laughs> right he could have donated his wealth in, in, in some way shape or form right i think when we think about batman the fallacy of batman is it's just also this idea of like that one person or one group of people or one institution has the authority and the right and the power to create an equitable world for the people as opposed to how do we empower the people to create an equitable world for themselves right right i think to yes and what you just said batman isn't considering what people need in gotham to become better more capable individuals in that space i think it just comes from his projection of oh what would make gotham better i'm just Mm -hmm. gonna control and i'm gonna break people who are breaking the law and i think if we really dig into it not even considering why certain people are doing crime in the first place yeah and just coming at it from oh you're stealing from my billionaire friends or you're doing this like we had an episode recently where we joked that batman had no business chasing catwoman let her steal from billionaires Uh you were just horny bruce you thought she was attractive and you chased after her oh i got you i got you stealing those pearls you got to go to jail now so right not having any understanding that people are doing this not just for the thrill of it they're doing it because it's hard in these streets yeah but, you know, like if we compare a Batman, right, or, you know, like a tra- Batman, like a traditional comic, right, similar to Batman, to, and we look at uh, Black Panther, right? Mm. Obviously different, different <clears throat> completely different themes. But then what I love about what Black... And the reason why Black Panther was so big is because we haven't really seen not only Black characters, right, but Black characters in a Black futuristic world or in a Black world in general, right? There's not many comics that follow that, that follow the, those themes and those trends, so... I think when we think about Batman and the power of Batman, ba- Batman exists exists in the world in a society where capitalism thrives and exists, right? Mm-hmm. It's necessary, and, and all Batman does is support the status quo, right? Perpetuate so we, it, yeah, and and especially perpetuate it, right? Yeah, absolutely, right. And we think about black characters and having more black representation in comics and in superhero worlds. You know, what does it look like for us? I think sometimes the initial thought is like, you know, let's just make Batman black, right? A black mm. character. But like, what does it look like if we created a Batman character that was probably had similar themes and cultures to a black character or a Latin, Latino character? Similar to what Spider-Man did with Miles, with Miles Morales, right? I think it was a very interesting and unique flip that we didn't really anticipate, but we can appreciate. We can appreciate it. And honestly, I think it would make more sense for Spider-Man to be black 
than for Batman to be black because Spider-Man doesn't represent capitalism. Spider-Man is called the friendly neighborhood Mm Spider-Man. Even that is more applicable to the people and people who could come from communities that are oppressed by, you know, not only capitalism, but a police state or what have you. So one of the main things that I love about Miles Morales as a character is that he's so down for his neighborhood. It doesn't come from a place of vengeance. It comes more from a place of pride, like, ah, I love Harlem. I love this barbershop. I'm going to help this person find their cat. Batman would never think of the little guy that yeah. much. Like that's a great Batman, point. Batman would never. Batman's just not approachable. He would just. <laughs> he's like, oh, if something's getting blown up, I'm gonna bunch up a bunch of goons and do my thing. Spider Man yeah. is there in the daytime. In the daytime, he's not trying to strike fear into yeah. people's hearts. He's just all about being like, hey, hit me up on this app. What's good? I'm here. And Batman was, there's a connection between Batman and the police. Like explicitly, mm-hmm. right? The police called Batman. Mm-hmm. They had a, there's a bat signal that the, if the police needed Batman, he would pop up and show up. For Spider-Man, the police didn't really like Spider-Man. They don't. They're right? Like, oh, he's so, a menace. Yeah. Why is he? Right, right, right. So like, I love that the juxtaposition around supporting the institution and, and, and not supporting the institution between both those characters. Yes, and I love, this is the thing in the video game, and I can't wait for you to play Spider-Man 2 because they lean more into Miles' culture and all of that. Oh, word. Gonna, yeah, it's, it's fucking dope. He pretty much becomes the main Spider-Man in Spider-Man 2 and rises above Peter in some ways. But what I really like is that with the app in the game, Spider-Man, the people are telling Spider-Man what they need and directly going to him for help. So I thought that that was really powerful. And I also like that in the Marvel Universe, we do have somebody, to take it back to Black Panther, who lives in this world that has never been colonized. And that's his mindset. It's normal for him to come from a place where black people have wealth and resources. You know, Mm -hmm. I think- And power, right? And power, and power, and culture, and everybody knows their lineage. Nobody was kidnapped on a boat, and people then have to, you know, swab their mouth and mail it in to figure out where they came from, which I think it's so wild that black people have to pay for that shit. But I know that's right. something for us to unpack later. I think if somebody like Bruce Wayne were to go to Wakanda, he would definitely try to take some of their resources to make his gadgets better in Gotham. Right. Like, oh, yeah, shit, yeah. Can can I use this? Mm-hmm. The argument that their resources will help create a, a better world, but they're like, nah, we could just do it on our own. And that's that was part of the narrative in Black Pan in, in Black Panther, right? The whole world, everybody wanted the vibranium. And they were like, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna share this with the world because we don't trust you. Yeah, we don't <laughs> trust you. What was your, what are your thoughts on Killmonger? His argument. I have thoughts. I have thoughts about the first Black Panther movie and that character, but I want yeah. you to go first because I, I don't think he was all in the wrong. I think Killmonger. I mean, understanding, I can understand his character and I can understand his his pain. But I think it was it was it was mainly that, right? Not like a, a true understanding. And this idea of like going back and taking what was his, 
because mm-hmm. you know because of the pain that was inflicted inflicted of him on as a child and not having connections to, to his his homeland and motherland you know as much as everybody else who's come from the lineage so for him to go back and want to do that you know you can also make the argument that it, it was probably based off of his his upbringing in american society mm. right this i you know wakandans are communal right so you have all these different tribes right who at times can battle and fight with each other but they come together for the greater purpose of their community always right and killmonger was kind of the opposite of that he wanted to go in there and he just wanted to get the power and and and, and be empowered on his own outside of everybody else so that's i think that's counter to what existed in wakanda traditionally but his his experiencing upbringing outside of that i think led to you know having a different experience and and desire for what he wanted and sort for what comments actually be yeah man i think going off of what you just said the way that he went about it was definitely fucked up yeah. And the fact that he was doing that to his people, I think if he had come to Wakanda, there's an alternate universe where he just comes to Wakanda to be embraced, to just be with his family. But I think yeah. him particularly coming from the military and also just being American and mm-hmm. thinking that there's only one way to conquer. It's not about being communal. It's about being better and having more. Mm-hmm. And you're not... You're not worth anything unless people are beneath you. Mm-hmm. So I would say that those aspects of, and I'm going to take it there, white supremacy definitely mm-hmm. tainted what he thought he needed to find peace yeah. within himself and what happened to him. So I think he was definitely impacted by his upbringing and by how he saw the world. Yeah, it, 100% his American socialization. And then also being a part of the army doesn't support, you know, definitely supports this idea of conquest, right? right. Imperial, imperialism, colonialization. Like we have how many American bases in, in, in other countries all across the world because yeah. we, need our, we, need, we need our imprint everywhere. We need to be a part of everywhere and everything. You know, the America, this idea of conquest. We don't, we didn't only conquest and colonialize this land, North America. But, you know, we're also participating in colonialization elsewhere, outside the world. So, particularly through the, you know, the U.S. Army and the, you know, yeah, American Armed Forces. Absolutely. I think that that is so, that's why Black Panther is such a great movie. And that's why when it is compared to something like Batman, it's interesting because Batman doesn't kill, which I always find mm-hmm. to be so interesting, refuses to kill, but will break yeah. every bone in your uh-huh. goddamn body. He'll beat you to a pulp. He'll beat you to a pulp, <laughs> but I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to throw you. <laughs> I'm oh going to throw God, you God. in prison. I'm like, he is bodying, yeah. bodying yeah. people. And it, it's very interesting to me that he's like, oh, I'm just going to throw you in prison. But I think for somebody like Bruce, he doesn't understand that, particularly for a black person and for somebody who isn't a white male. Well, hell, even if you are a white male you mm. the true definition of being canceled is going to prison <laughs> once you go to prison when you get out you can't vote that is forever something that you have to tell future employers about you pretty much mm. lose access to those years of your life you know only so if you're I, only if you're a felon charlie yeah you gotta, I, you gotta I, catch you gotta you, you gotta they gotta catch a big case for that they gotta catch a big case for that <laughs> yeah right 
But I, I, I do think that Batman underestimates just what the prison industrial complex really means. The, the thing about Batman that really... I mean, it, it doesn't confuse me or surprise me. Right? I, I think we understand why Batman is who he is, right? But it's also like, you're rich. Like, you don't ha- you don't have to do this. Right. <laughs> so why? Like, why? And it's because he's rich. It's because what is the power that his, well, his wealth allows him, right? And, and the access that he has to create these gadgets and these tools and have the wealth to create this identity and this persona to go out there and through his eyes, you know, create a better society but it's like it's a better society mainly through your personal perspective you don't you know right. batman is not welcome in my hood he would not be welcome <laughs> in my hood right batman doesn't understand your hood batman right. is trying to understand how crime works in your hood but i think it's so funny in the cartoon we're covering right now batman one of his favorite disguises is poor bruce wayne where oh, he that's just, horrible I know, I know. He messes up his hair, he puts a little eye makeup on, and he goes undercover to figure out what's happening in the quote-unquote slums so that he can oh. insert himself into certain issues. Edmund, if we were going to, and this is like me wanting to like cook with you a little bit in real time, if we were going to create a version of Batman that were black... Do you think because of what Batman perpetuates and promotes as a white, cis, heterosexual billionaire, do you think that that character would work if it were a black man from old money doing all of these things? Yeah, I think, look, you know, I think you can, the race doesn't matter in that regard, right? Because you could be a black person and still perpetuate these ideas of power and contri- and you contribute to a system of oppression, right? This mm-hmm. is the conversation I have I have with my students this past week. You know, there are even black people who participate and engage in self hate, right? Clarence um, and, Thomas, and, yeah, and perpetuate stereotypes. So of course, they can be a Batman who was born who was born into wealth, doesn't understand oppression, doesn't 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 understand how systems contribute to oppression, and, and go on and be and be. A Batman. I think a black Batman would be looked at. He wouldn't be as praised as a white Batman, because then there'll be this right. critique of like, "Come on, son, you black too, right? Even if you're a black billionaire, you should understand these contexts and nuances." But the reality is that he may not. Look how many black people are, are contributing, participating in you know oppression of you know black and historically marginalized communities across the country today. You know, look yeah. at what, what's her, what's 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 her face. Yeah, I can't. You know, I'm not even going to the politics of it, but you have all these people. You know, in politics, in education, you know, and, you know, and every level and every level of systems and societies that, you know, that we navigate is not only politicians or black Republicans or people, you know, in that in that in that realm. There are black teachers who support these ideas of oppression and participate in these ideas of oppression knowingly and, un- un- and both unknowingly. Yeah. And when they're doing it unknowingly most of the times unwittingly when you confront them about it just very defensive on it you know yeah, i right. think if we were to change bruce's race to a black person he would have a lot of the same blind spots because of being sheltered as the result of having this enormous wealth so i think right. those conversations could be interesting yeah from his standpoint of like, oh, I really don't understand this community that I'm protecting that if circumstances were different, I would be one of the people here. So I think, yeah, there's a lot of different places that we could go with that. But I think yeah. 
And this is one of the last points that I want to talk about because I find it so confounding. Do you ever see the public discourse that happens whenever it's rumored that a black actor is going to play a typically white part like Idris Elba maybe being blonde? Like, why do white people get so mad about that? It's so interesting to me. You're ruining their classics, Charlie. This is the shit that they grew up on. They're like, whoa, whoa. My whole life, this character's been white. I can't imagine them black now, right? It's like, yeah. go go hide in their rock somewhere. That's, you know, America, we love, America loves tradition. America loves keeping the, st- the same status quo. And although, the, you know, there's a lot of perceptions and these ideas of progressiveness, it's like, you can't be too progressive. We can't move too fast, right? One mm-hmm. thing at a time. So yeah, I got you at Wakanda. You know, that should hold you down for the next five, ten years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stay, stay away from other comics, from the other comics and other superheroes for, for a little while. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta stay away from that. And I think that it, it's so funny whenever that happens online. Those conversations of how dare you mm-hmm. make Bruce Wayne a black person? How dare you make James Bond black? I think what we're experiencing is the fear of what happens to us so often being yeah. made invisible happening to white people because yeah. everything is built around whiteness. And when that is threatened for a second, it's like, oh, no, I, I, this isn't good at all. You know? Yeah. Can whiteness ever be invisible, Charlie? I see it everywhere I go. Shit. I see it everywhere I go, too. You know, it's so the standard. Yeah. That. When I was a little boy making comic books, I remember drawing my own original characters and the leader in my comic books was white because that is normal in America. You think anything other than being white is literally other, but if we really look at it, race is something that was created by white people. So race is a social construct. It's such a social construct, and it's something that deeply influences all of us. Yeah. What if there was a white? What if they changed Ronald McDonald into a black person? How would oh America? How would America respond? Not I, my McDonald's. I, not I, my McDonald's. <laughs> not my Ronald. Hashtag not my right? Ronald McDonald's. Oh right? my god! It would be fucking riots. They'd be right. smashing the drive-through windows of mcdonald's you know because these things are sacred and i think advertisement is tantamount to religion in america in western civilization because we're not taught what makes us happy so we have advertisements and these characters that Mm -hmm. kind of show us what we could be and the fact that most of them are white is something that really influences the way that people move and kind of exist in certain spaces. Yeah, it's just America, man. But you know, the one thing that I, that I love to see and I love that we're seeing right now more and more in our society is just the opportunities that we, you know, you, you just people are have to create and create their own narratives, their own themes, right? And how you don't have to, you know, I mean, it's still difficult to get put on in Hollywood and to get your, your script but you know you can create your own YouTube short. You know you can create your own Instagram reel of you know something that you can imagine and you can, you can curate. So I think because of that and access to social media, 
we're seeing a lot more and a lot more in different variations of characters that are imagined by other people. Like I was on Instagram and you know Sarah showed me Black Harry on Instagram. I'm like, this is oh, I love Black Harry. (laughs) Right, right. So we're able to see these different renditions that are unique. That and that are, that are the, that are birthed from just different diverse back people from diverse backgrounds. That the, the issue that one of the main issues why we see all these white superheroes because all the people in those writing rooms are white. They are. They are. You and know, they can't imagine a world where that isn't at the center. Exactly. So you know, we'll figure it out one day, Charlie. We'll figure it out one we day. We will. We will. One conversation at a time. But yeah, I. There you go. I think that's a good place to close this conversation has just been like always it's been nourishing (laughs) like you're so good at just being able to fucking chop it up i appreciate you so much always charlie likewise always here absolutely do you want to let our audience know where they can find you yeah you can find me where i'm at on instagram the king adjapong t-h-e-k-a-n-g a D J A P O N G and on Twitter at just King Ajapong. So that's K A N G A D J A P O N G. Excellent. Edmund Ajapong, everybody, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening to our conversation. Happy Black History Month. Even though it's the yeah. shortest month of the year, that doesn't mean we can't capitalize on the shit. And there you go. <laughs> Charge double this month. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me, Charlie. Absolutely. Bye. Later.